0: And we're back here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat with ESSR Central. Does it feel like we were just here? That's because we just fucking were. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> After a hellish week of uni work and uh, everything else going on with my life, we had to do a special Sunday Central, which means on the Wednesday when we get back to our normal schedule, there's not much to talk about really, is there? <laughs> but... On this significantly shorter Central, try saying that five times fast, I am joined today making a return to the show, Mr David
1: Hockney. How do, how do, it's always good to be back on Central and sorry I missed the last one but you know everything to do with work and life has sort of been a bit a bit hectic as of late Wednesdays is my, one of my free nights now. Well there
0: we go, see I wasn't free last Wednesday, I, was, I wasn't free last Wednesday I wanted to watch Rangers. They drew two each with Aberdeen. The game kicked off at quarter to eight. Rangers showed up at half eight, I think. Um, but <laughs> moving on from that side, uh, if you want to listen to our special Sunday Central, we just did there, our massive back catalogue of interviews, previews, news and reviews, then that's Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. And of course, at Suplex Retweet. Jesus, I was about to say I'm really good at this. I do it every week. <laughs> done it twice. This <laughs> setup. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, easy for me to say. And of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. I think I blocked David Campbell, so thankfully his question doesn't show up in my timeline anymore. So that's quite good. But <laughs> uh, we're going to get into a wee bit of sad news and we're not going to discuss the tawdry aspects of it because I think it is a bit, uh, it's something that should be respected privately. But John Moxley gave Tony Khan permission to post today that he would be seeking treatment for a alcohol addiction. He would be going to a rehab facility for that. Um, we must we wish John Moxley all the best. We won't go into John Moxley's personal stuff. We'll talk about what this means for wrestling and we'll get into a bit of fantasy booking because there's not a lot of news stories this week, but we quite enjoy a wee bit of fantasy booking here. Um You'll recall there was that leaked card from a few months ago, which had John Moxley versus Daniel Bryan on the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we now know that was going to be the final of the Eliminator Tournament. John Moxley was meant to face Orange Cassidy tonight on AEW Dynamite. That's obviously not happening here. Um, would you, David, on the wrestling side of things, would you rather? Orange Cassidy got through to the the final against Daniel Bryan. We know Orange Cassidy, although he plays the comedy gimmick, can do more serious stuff he has done with the likes of Pac and Kenny Omega. Or would you like to see someone else come in and take that spot and get to the final
1: against uh, Bryan Danielson? (laughs) Well, given that the opportunity has now presented itself... I actually like the idea of seeing Brian Danielson against Orange Cassidy. You know, it's it's almost like one of those WWE versus AEW fantasy type matches. Uh, if this was, you know, about a year ago or something, but uh, yeah, I, I th- I'm I'm not sure if Orange Cassidy is currently on the full the full gear card at the minute. But if not, you know, I think this would be a good way to get him on. And you know, he's a massive draw for for crowds. You know, he could just get simply just a bypass. Uh, to the final against Brian and I don't think I'd complain either way, but the Dynamite is advertising a semi-final match for that Orange Cassidy will compete in. And the, the, the names that have been going through my head is either maybe Dark Orders 10 could get a second chance given that Moxley beat him in the quarters. I think there was talks of possibly uh Miro entering his way in. But you know what? Either way, I would actually like to see Orange Cassidy face Brian in the final, just because you get two contrasting styles, you get two contrasting personalities, and I think it would just be quite entertaining to watch.
0: So, the tease, uh, the tease names on social media, or the rumours on social media, are that he's going to be replaced by either CM Punk or Miro. Um, mm-hmm. We have seen CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan, and uh, WWE over the WWE Championship, and Ring of Honor over the Ring of Honor Championship. And um, it's been great every time. It's been over seven. I mean, eight years ago. Uh, this month they were teaming against the Wyatt family at Survivor Series. So when even further back, uh, since the last of a match together. So that's that's one of those matches where we've seen it a million times before. But it's been a while enough that it's somewhere new, somewhere fresh. Guys are revitalised. That it could be a really interesting bout. On the other hand, uh, Miro, Rusev v. Bryan, I think we saw a couple of them in WWE, maybe like the SmackDown matches. Um, Miro is a completely different character from Rusev. He's completely revitalized. Uh, Both of those matches, I think, would be pretty good. I think, personally, I'd lean more towards Miro. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think if you put Miro in the final... I'm going to be rooting for my win I'm going to be honest with you, just after that TNT, he had such a great TNT title run, and then he just kind of took it off him. And it's like, do you put him in and just get him
1: another loss? Like, what, what, what's going to happen here? Because <laughs> uh, usually uh, the the person that drops the person that drops the mid card title usually is the one that goes at is the one to next challenge the world champion. So I mean, I mean, it w- he would be a good first defense if. For example, Hangman Page does topple Kenny Omega and he needs, you know, a, a solid defence just to get him going.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, um, is it
1: Alan Angels from the Dark Order? Yep, Alan Angels is facing Kenny Omega on Dynamite uh, at time of recording. Time
0: of, yeah, so at time of recording, we are, I mean, you'll be listening to this, you might know the Dynamite results, you might not, this might... Remind you to go check the dynamite results. Wasn't it great when Hulk Hogan reappeared and reformed the NWO? <laughs> that was quite something. Yeah. Um, Alan Angel's uh, his breakout match, he took Kenny Omega to the limit. Um, they're teasing maybe another one of those tonight, so maybe it might be one of those uh, Kenny Omega matches that goes quite a while tonight. They are teasing him taking it to the limit, but that being said, they could just be taking the piss and Kenny Omega wins in ten hmm. seconds, kinda like he did with Sonny
1: King. Uh, and we get another epic meme such as that. But it's, uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure they'd go to the extent of a 20 minute time limit draw, but you never know, they could go they could give us a solid fifteen ish minutes or so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Kenny Omega's on that level now. He's been built that much that he really shouldn't um be losing or drawing matches with people at like this. You know, when they're trying to establish styles, great, but they've they've done such a such a good job at building Kenny Omega to be this megastar and champion of multiple companies that, you know, anything more than ten minutes to beat Alan uh, Angels, it's gonna be like about hold on a minute. That was a cue for you to come in there, David, but never mind. Oh,
1: sorry, I missed that.
0: No, 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 it's all right, it's all right. We'll move on to the next story. Uh, The former Kalisto, uh, now going by Sumeri del Sol, or Manny dollar sign. um, Wow. And Aerostar uh, have opened for uh, FTR's Open Challenge for the AAA Lucha Libre Tag Team Championships. Uh, that will take place tonight on Dynamite I don't actually know if AAA called them the Lucha Libre Tag Team Championships I was just reading their twil- Twitter handle there, uh, good to see yeah. FTR, you know they were they were off TV for a bit uh, good to see them back on and back as champions you know this is, this is part, one of the good things about the Forbidden Door and the cross promotional stuff, people can still be champions while not being the specific brand champion
1: yeah, we've seen the AAA tag titles be defended before. I think it was um, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in uh, a TLC match. And I think that was one of the early days of uh, AEW Dynamite. And I recall watching that and it was an absolutely mental match. Like, I think it even gave um, WrestleMania X7's TLC2 a run for its money.
0: I wouldn't go that far, but that's, that's, just, that's just my personal opinion. That's all right, um, yeah. No, no, it was great, match, great, great matches, but it's not better than, you know, Dave Meltzer can write as many blogs and give it as many stars as he wants. It's not better than that. It's not. It's a bit of recency bias there, I think, from Big Uncle Dave, or a bit of a anti-WWE bias, but we'll move on from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Rhodes... The most boring man in professional wrestling taking on Andrade El Idolo uh, tonight on Dynamite. Um, Cody coming off that win against Malachi Black, now going up against Andrade. Um, oh God, I just hope Andrade knocks him out.
1: So, you know what? I'm the same. Like, if, see if this was in WWE, they'd probably be relegated to like Saturday night sla- Saturday morning slam, or Velocity. In this instance, but I mean, it's good that they're getting there's like Andrade's getting properly showcased here, given that, you know, he's, I don't think he's had a proper match in dynamite yet. It may have had one or two, but either way, it's Cody Rhodes is again, once again, just sort of, you know, being took his own horn and making himself sort of front and center now. But the win over Malachi black, I think it sort of took away everything that Malachi black was sort of telling with his character and stuff. And it seems to have just dropped everything that was going on with Arn Anderson and glocks for some reason, but, uh, I'm curious as to what direction they're going to go with this, in particular because it was Andrade that brought in uh, Samurai Del Sol and Aerostar to challenge mm-hmm. FTR. So there seems to be a bit of crossover going on here.
0: Oh, it's, it's a weird one. Um, also on Dynamite tonight, so here's the full list. Um, so obviously we've talked about Orange Cassidy and the AEW World Title Amateur Tournament Semi-Final. Uh, CM Punk teased on social media, he just put orange and it was a gif of an orange being sliced. <laughs> um, Cody Rhodes via Andrade as we talked about, FTR's Lucha Libre Open Challenge which has been answered and the TBS title tournament, uh, first round, Anna J versus Jamie Hater. Uh, TBS title tournament, I really like the idea of a women's mid-card title, it's something... Um, I've been talking about for WWE for years, I really do think WWE's women's division is not deep enough for two world titles.
1: Not even close.
0: Uh, Not every woman, just like not every man, can be a world champion. And, you know, so like someone like Dana Brooke, you know, her maybe her compatriot on the main roster would be and Akira Tozawa. I'm not saying wrestling-wise. I'm saying, mm. like, stature-wise. You know what I mean? They're the bottom of the card. So you're yeah. never going to be. It's never going to be believable. You know, if Dana Brooks in a, a title tournament thing or in a number one
1: contenders match. So, mm. well, one, one I, title from one. What? From what I heard about Dana... Sorry, I was just going to say from what I've heard recently about Dana Brooke there were some articles online that said you know how there was that massive spat between Charlotte and Becky during the, well, after the title exchange? Well, apparently Dana was one of the the key figures in keeping the heat, shall shall we say and apparently Vince has actually warmed to the idea of possibly giving her a push because she took a very professional stance on it. So, I mean but these are just rumours at this stage, but I think Dana needs a a massive kick up the arse when it comes to, you know, establishing herself as a single star. And that could feel, be it.
0: I feel like Roy Keane, have you ever seen that? It's like, it's, it's a post-match thing and it's like, someone's apparently, like, if some, somebody's in the squad because they're good to have about the place. Roy Keane's just like, why? What does he do? Does he do card tricks? I mean, what, what's the point? What does that mean? That's sort of how I feel with Dana Brooke. But anyway, back to AEW. He
1: needs to go um, back. He needs card... to be at stats session again.
0: Oh, fuck, right off. Worldwide? No, I'm going to hang up this call. I swear to God. <laughs> anyway, back to the AEW TBS title, the mid card women's title. One world champion, one mid card champion. I feel that's how it should be in the women's division in WWE. It's how it's going to be going forward. And. Uh, WWE, N-A-W and it's good because it means you know, look we had the social experiment with gender and now he, his name is forever going to be on the WWE title history mm-hmm. if you have a mid-card title it means you can try someone out and if it doesn't work out or they're not good enough or maybe that they're they they don't get to that level where you feel they're good enough their name's not a stain on the world championship history so, really good idea of the TBS title tournament. Uh, Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter. I think that's, this one's got Anna, uh, Anna J written all over it, sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Anna Jay is actually probably one of the early favourites to win the whole tournament. You know, she's got a lot of association with the Dark Order. She's been immensely popular since, you know, Dynamite debuted. I think she would be a good starting point for the TBS championship.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, sorry Stevens just sent a link into our suplex retweet chat uh, Andrew Zarian uh, of Wrestling Observer uh, just tweeted a gif of Miro yelling uh, so it looks like it's going to be Miro against Orange Cassidy tonight um, Impact have uh, removed names from the roster uh, No Way Jose TJP, Petey Williams and Tommy Dreamer no longer included on the Impact website as Impact wrestlers. Um, mm. I think the writing on the wall was there for Tommy Dreamer after the uh, after the outcry from the uh, Plane Ride from Hell, Dark Side of the Ring episode, and yep. his comments about Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I think Tommy Dreamer after those comments was on borrowed time, especially you know when it was detailed in the the Dark Side of the Ring. So, but. You know it's good for impact you know that they took swift action against you know things that he said about like oh that's just rick being rick and stuff but no no it's not that at all but anyway that was a story for another day but one of the other one name that was actually miss uh not mentioned there was taylor Wilde. um not much to go by uh but PW Insider is reporting that Impact Wrestling sources are saying that no talents have been released and that just because a talent's name has been removed from the roster page does not indicate that Impact has let them go or terminated their contracts. So there seems to be a bit of uh, bit of mystery around the removal of these names. All I know is when I was
0: removed from the Rota and work, and then kept showing up people laughed that I didn't take the hint that I didn't work there anymore. So you know I don't expect uh, Taylor Wilde or Tommy Dreamer or anyone else to be showing up on Impact TV anytime soon. Uh, TJP, um, sort of, he he was X Division champ for a while, but kind of caught up on the whole Josh Alexander run. Um, not really a place for him now. Pete Williams, not really done much. And no way, Jose. I'm I'm sorry, but that was a. I think that was a panic grab. I think that was WWE mm-hmm. have let someone go. Let's get someone in. Come on, let's do this. No.
1: Yeah. There's, like, no way Jose no way Jose was literally the bottom of the pile in WWE. Like, it's not yeah. going to be a massive gain to any company.
0: No, and, that, and that's the thing. It's no uh, No offence. Um, no way Jose, I'm sure he's a great wrestler. But, yeah, he, he wasn't setting the heather on fire in WWE. Uh, just a quick wee story nxt viewership a, a live episode of nxt that is drew six hundred and thirty one thousand viewers on the usa network that's down 15.41 from last week's halloween havoc special mm-hmm. uh, which drew nearly three quarters of a million viewers seven seven forty oh, seven hundred thousand four hundred and seven thousand four seven hundred forty six thousand jesus christ ross <laughs> David, why don't you read that? You're the maths guy. Um, <laughs> I, didn't have the, I didn't have the figure in front of me. See, poor Workman blames his tool there, David. Mm-hmm. Now, ne- next time, make sure your hands are open when I pass the buck. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> um, down 15.41%. Um, I don't think that's a great shock to anyone. You know, Last week's Halloween Havoc had two tag team titles, two world titles ladder matches everything on the card you know what i mean um drew a 0.15 rating and the uh, 18 to 49 demographic uh, it's down 16% from the 0.18 rating in the key demo last week um 30 in cable top shows as l- opposed to last week number 11 um 59 in viewership for cable this week down from last week's 41 Ugh. I really don't think this is a this is a, a a big story. It's just I'm just reading it because it is on Wrestling Inc. Um, big show with title matches draws viewers. Show the next week where we're going to rebuild stories does not not really a main story, is it?
1: Uh, it does make me worry about the NXT 2.0 product. To me, I think people were sort of just keen on the idea of keeping NXT as it was because you know it was so down to earth and everything was so much more simple with established names and to be honest, as someone who is a fan of NXT, I hate the direction it's going at the minute, I mean sure there's some stuff you can be happy with you know, like the booking of of Braun Breaker, the women's divisions had a bit of a, bit of a rejuvenation, but everything else in between, it just it, it just doesn't scream out to me what NXT is all about, you know, because yeah, and I get it's about building the stars of tomorrow, etc, but I I read that as, you know, introducing established indie wrestlers, you know, to the WWE format and just letting their wrestling do the talking. Like it's not the point of trying to get, you know, people that fit a certain certain image. You know, they have to be at least six feet, they have to be at least two hundred and fifty pounds or whatnot. It's that's not the kind of show I want to watch because there's no diversity to it. Like some of the best wrestlers were literally about guys that are our size, you know, so we can relate to them a bit more. But this this oh, uh, I don't know
0: what you mean about our size. I am an absolute tank. I am a unit.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, David oh. Alkney.
0: And I'll hear nothing else yeah, against ta- it.
1: Tank with a capital T. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought you were gonna say tank, but spelled it with a W. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, damn I, it. I, I do agree with what you said, there is no diversity, and I I don't mind introducing new characters, but I think, see with the draft and see with people going up from NXT to uh, Raw and SmackDown, Mm -hmm. I think they should have been introduced gradually, like week one you introduced say four, then the next week you introduced another one, another one, and then say every couple of weeks you introduced two instead of one. You know what I mean? It should have been slowly built in because honestly, I looked at the NXT results from this past week and I'm like, I don't know him, don't know him, don't know her, don't know her. Um, But someone who is very well known to the NXT universe, uh, the former tag team champion Zoe Starks, who was written off TV last night after being attacked backstage by the NXT tag champions, JC Jane and uh, Gigi Dolan. Um, this was part of a storyline to legitimately write her off TV as she's dealing with legitimate injuries suffered in the ladder match at Halloween Havoc And Zoe Starks, to somewhat, Zoe Starks to me is like create a wrestler she sort of just came in had one match then she took Io Shirai to a match that went 15 minutes it wasn't a classic, wasn't a took Shirai to limit but then she just sort of started helping Shirai and then when Shirai lost the title they went for the tag titles and won them together it's mm-hmm. i'm hoping when she comes back there's a new character there
1: i hope so too but then again i think it was a good way to introduce someone like zoe stark to the the wwe audience cuz you know she was um she she had a lot more of a, an athletic physique about her you know she was a a proper like muscular person if you get me she wasn't like you know the standard sort of skinny women you usually get in the, the roster these days. But no, nah, she stood out largely because I think, you know, she had a, a bit of a, more of a power game on hand. And I think it complemented Io Shirai's flying style a little bit. But chemistry-wise, I think there's definitely more you could have worked on with that. But now that Zoe Stark is now in a more established name, I think this gives her more momentum to come back as a single star.
0: Yeah, Io you know, Shirai going up against Mandy Rhodes, I think, could establish Mandy Rhodes as a proper champion.
1: Mm-hmm. And Kaylee Ray's also been advertised to return uh, to NXT as well. So there's the women's uh, NXT women's roster is still as stacked as ever, despite you know possible. Well, Dakota Kai coming back as well. That's you know that's someone we thought were was going to go to the main roster by that point, but maybe Raquel Gonzalez could be going there instead. It's hard to say, really.
0: Depends whoever wins that feud. Whoever wins that feud is it's staying. Whoever loses is going up.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, Dakota's sorry, got no? this sort of, I was going to say Dakota's got this sort of little twister character, a little bit more of a sort of twitchy, like, the, you know, she's got that sort of makeup over her eye and stuff. Kind of like a yeah. combination between Mojo Rawley and Malachi Black, but more, to, more <laughs> the latter, I should say. Uh, but yeah, if they're doing something like that, you know, it could be a ch- it could be possible that Dakota might get a win over Raquel and that sends her to the main roster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a new yet to be established woman to two Hall of Famers, uh, the Bella Twins. Um the <sighs> Bella Twins oh, Jesus Christ, sigh a bit louder. <laughs> <laughs> they The return to the podcast world after a six month hiatus, but a new episode of the Bella Podcast. Brie updated um Listeners on what she'd been up to during the summer, her and Daniel Bryan's lifestyle, and a return to the ring for Nikki and Brie. Uh, Brie was saying that after WrestleMania, it was a decision as a family for Daniel Bryan to walk up, not walk away, but to leave WWE for a time being, uh, so that the two of them could get away. They were apparently in the mountains. Uh, they just spent four months living in the mountains, swimming, hiking, kayaking, uh, and when they were, t- they, they said they decided as a group to step away from the show Total Bellas, which ended at the start of 2021. <laughs> um, everyone agreed the time was right for it to come to an end as people were moving on with their lives. And they talked about, uh, the exact quote was, do we miss the ring? Absolutely. Bree then stated, we miss the WWE Universe and the Bella army out there and we would love to get back in the ring one day. But unfortunately, it's just not going to be anytime soon. David, I know you are a massive Bella Twins fan.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, how could you tell?
0: (laughs) Well, that big... (sighs) Really did. Really did send me (laughs) me on the right (laughs) Uh, path. I feel having the same name... It's funny because you and David Campbell, you seem to, you have the same name, but everything else your world's apart. on. He loves the Bellas,
1: you hate them. I don't hate, hate no, hate's a strong word. I'm just, uh, I think the Bellas have had their time and now I think they did the right thing by just, um, by settling down. And I think coming back for the sake of just coming back, getting a nostalgia pop and maybe taking the women's tag titles when they probably shouldn't, and uh, it, it just doesn't seem right you know I mean just look at look at the undertaker look at Goldberg you know they weren't the same you know when they were about five to ten years past it and I think the Bellas are sort of at that, that stage too like particularly you know when they've wrapped up with total Bellas and you know they spent four months away and basically away from the world it feels like they finally just sort of seems like they're just finally just settling down as a massive family and you know while Brian's still doing, wrestling for AEW and possibly they might get a shot in Japan at the same time I, don't, I just don't see any reason for the Bellas to come back other than you know maybe a, a nostalgia pop on Legends Night perhaps but I mean if they are going to win the tag titles it probably is WWE at it's most basic booking
0: yeah I mean I, I wouldn't be against them Winning the tag titles, I mean, if WWE aren't going to do anything with it, then I mean, I mean, why if WWE
1: aren't going to take it seriously, then why should we care? Um, just retire the titles and have the Bellas take them. I mean, if that's if that was their end game all along, then just let them do it,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so, I think so, but god knows anyway. Just a couple of small stories here, uh, the Miz. Uh, recently eliminated from Dancing with the Stars uh, WWE were pushing hard, they do like a bit of cross promotion to WWE they, they had a segment related to Miz every week where the commentary team told you the number you could call to keep uh, the Miz and Dancing with the Stars, unfortunately it hasn't worked Miz eliminated from Dancing with the Stars, I'm just saying
1: <clears throat> He went out to Jojo Siwa in the dance off
0: Oh, well, Miz and his partner, Whitney, uh, I was going to say Whitney Houston. No no wonder they got eliminated if he was dancing with Whitney Houston. She was probably a bit lifeless. Um, (laughs) Oh, I want to dance with somebody. Anyway, (laughs) the Miz and not Whitney Houston, Whitney Carson, ended up in the bottom two alongside Jojo Siwa and Jenna Johnson. The Miz were then eliminated after making it to week seven. I actually think.
1: did Jericho not get eliminated in week seven as well? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I think Jericho might have been eliminated uh, earlier than that. But you know what? Can we just take a moment to acknowledge like how good Miz did in in his time there? Like some of the costumes he came out with as well. He, uh, you know, he was dressed as the genie. He was dressed as Scar. Dressed up as uh, John Travolta in Greece. What's his name? Zuko. Danny Zuko. Danny Zuko. Yeah, so yeah, okay, Chris Jericho finished seventh in Dancing with the Stars season 12. Right, so, so what? what is getting eliminated seventh? I think, that's, for I think that's week four, because I think I think they've got ten contestants. So it would have been like right. week four or week five. Okay, so Miz, Miz out on his backside.
0: Uh, fair play to him, as you said, he threw himself into everything, much like he does uh, in WWE. Um, Heals the wrestling theme story from WWE Hall of Famer. I'm just doing that for future releases when he goes into the Celebrity Wing. Uh, Stephen Amell mm-hmm. uh, has been renewed for a second season on Stars, although not the Stars that we have with Disney Plus. That's confusing. Um, I've not seen the first season. I don't know about you. I think Sarah's watched some of it, and so has David Campbell. I'm sure they like it. I'm sure it's pretty good. I just can't watch it because I can't see my, I can't see Stephen Amell as anything other than Oliver Queen. So you know, I just I can't watch it. Anyway, um, mm. those were just some quick, quick fire things. Uh, Edge recently uh, revealed that he was a bit uncomfortable going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, said he wasn't thrilled with the idea of. Going to Saudi Arabia, I think WWE superstars have a history of that. John Cena's refused to go. Daniel Bryan's refused to go. Kevin Owens has refused to go in support of Sami Zayn. After Sami Zayn was told, maybe you should stay home uh, uh, after the first uh, Saudi Arabia show. um, Edge wasn't thrilled to be going, but he said he only went so he could make a match that he could be proud of. He said about... Uh, the referee
1: is Jessica Carr, the female referee on SmackDown. Yeah, Jess, she was the first, uh, she became the first female ref to referee in Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, and he talked about how Charles Robinson wasn't available to referee his match at SummerSlam, so Jessica was given the chance. Um, Jessica then refereed the second match because Edge said, if you've done the first, you need to do the second. And his request was, he said it went over a lot of people's heads, but I requested Jessica be the referee for my match because she's done such a good job in the first two. And then he talked about how he could be proud and say to his girls that he helped make history. And uh, yeah, something to be proud of, I suppose. First Mm. female referee to referee a WWE match in Saudi Arabia. We saw two women's matches on that card. So it is becoming... I, I don't... I don't mind them like like you know we've seen the women a bit more covered that's just a cultural thing there I, I don't think that's bad but, but as long as the women are still able to wrestle on the show mm. you know yeah. I I I don't have a problem with them wearing longer attire
1: it doesn't matter you know as long as you know they're adhering to you know that that country's customs I think it's still a it's still a huge step forward you know just normalizing you know having women wrestle there and I think I've not been not too up to date with the the sort of human rights uh, conduct in Saudi Arabia and stuff but I think women are starting to get a bit more leeway in this instance because I mean look how they're being featured on the obviously women are being featured a lot more on the Saudi cards like remember the first couple like the women weren't on weren't allowed to be on it at all and yet here you go you've got uh, female referees female talent and i remember i was jessica posted on instagram about how meaningful that that moment was and she was telling the story about how edge requested that she be the referee for this this whole feud and it it almost was sort of a story within a story but nobody really paid much attention to it until you realize oh wait she actually refereed this entire this entire trilogy so this is actually quite a quite a very uplifting story to to hear about it, knowing that this wasn't just a story about Edge and Rollins, but it was also a form of progression from Jessica's part.
0: Yeah. I like the idea that... Sorry, I'm just thinking. (laughs) I like the idea that Jessica maybe had a few days off and was planning on enjoying those days off, not sitting on a 22-hour flight, only for Edge to come in and go, hey we're going to make history and Jessica just kind of been like i kind of had plans i, I like the idea of Jessica be, like holding a suitcase getting ready to go on a holiday and just being told pack your ref shirt we're going to Saudi <laughs> put those bikinis back you'll not need them where we are going <laughs> i just loved it uh, uh thanks edge history making it Prick. historic <laughs> right. Isn't it great to be making history? I should be in Hawaii, you arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving moving on from Edge being bashed by a female referee, completely in my subconscious, So the <laughs> world... You,
1: you want to rephrase that?
0: Jesus. Moving on, moving swiftly on. On the latest episode of 83 Weeks Podcast, Bischoff continued his... Um, bit of back and forth with AEW. I don't think Bischoff has been overly critical on AEW. He's been offering opinions. Uh, Bischoff has said before, you know, he's he's not... He's a relationship with Tony Khan. He's a relationship with Vince McMahon. He doesn't really have a fight, a dog in the, what he called, cosplay ratings war. Um, But he's made some comments about CM Punk under-delivering and he's continued his stance uh, on that, this past week, the former WWE, uh, WCW EVP stated that Punk's way under-delivered in AEW, and he's only responded to the comments. Uh, he's only responded to his co- uh, this because of Punk's comments when the AEW superstar remarked that his debut and Daniel Bryan's debut was bigger than Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Uh, he said when Punk came out he said that AEW signing him and Daniel Bryan was more significant than Scott Hall and Kevin Ash well I kind of disagree with that yeah Punk was at high level seven freaking years ago when he was his peak performance role in WWE but that was seven years ago Scott Hall and Kevin Ash were fresh off of WWE TV so you can debate the significance because it's another subjective term that's unquantifiable and I'm not going to bother to do that so I'll defer to the court I'll submit Punk's position, but what I found interesting is after Punk showed up with all the significance, far more significance than Scott Hall and Kevin Ash, apparently, only to see AEW lose viewerships over the next course of two to three weeks. Over that two, three-week slide, Punk comes out and says, it's going to take five years before anyone really notices. That to me was like, okay, dude, let's go back a little further. When CM Punk felt the need to come out in his debut and disparage Hulk Hogan the way he did, he said, "CM Punk doesn't know Hulk Hogan. Never worked with Hogan. Doesn't know anything about Hogan. But he's trying to get himself over with that dirt sheet anti-Hogan community." Did he disparage Hogan? I don't know how. Was it maybe in an interview? I
1: don't remember. Uh, his debut. I well, we I think we all watched his uh, his debut, his arrival in AEW. I think he just ba- I think well, he was very careful not to bash WWE as a whole. He only talked about his time as a professional wrestler, quote unquote, in everything from. You know ring of honor to um to now essentially, but you're right, I don't recall him ever you know getting into a spat with hogan or et cetera, but I think one point that's actually brought up really well is that he's trying to get himself over with the dirt sheet community, you know those people that are you know taking any any words or phrases that may or may not have been taken out of context and justifying you know hating against a particular superstar i mean sure that doesn't that doesn't condone or forgive what said wrestlers may have done in the past because you know they might have had a reason to make people really hate them and in hogan's case you know there's plenty of reasons why why people don't like him um but as far as cm punk interacting with hogan i wasn't aware of anything
0: See, I think he must have said something in an interview before it then, or or the the big media scrum after. Um, So comparing himself above Scott Hall and Kevin Ash, categorising himself as more significant, and then to come out and when it's time to deliver, we under-delivered, way under-delivered, it bears pointing out, if you're going to talk and talk smack, then you have to be prepared for others to talk and talk smack back. Um, I, I think that's a fair, a fair comment. He also says, on top of his, cri- uh, the article says, on top of his criticism towards Punk, Bischoff called out Tony Khan for his tweets about WCW and his former boss Ted Turner. Bischoff said that the reason he took what Khan and Punk said so personally is because they tried to disparage others in an attempt to get themselves over. Yeah, they've been doing that since day one. Oh, yeah. uh, which he believes shows a sign of weakness i think that's what a lot of people have been saying from day one the aw aw in ring wise and certainly consistent storyline wise um is putting out better content than wwe's ron smackdown and now the nxt's nxt 2.0 is putting out better stuff than that um so it's it's consistently outperforming in ring and storyline wise wwe but instead of living off the fact that he Come see this! It's falling into the traps of the likes of TNA in 2010, where for those of you maybe you were a bit, you might remember TNA released a a video on YouTube. Top ten reasons why you should watch TNA and not WWE on Monday night. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the reasons was we have a smoking hot boss, Dixie Carter. They have Vince McMahon. That was a genuine reason. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't ever think we'll have a, a video where it goes, Tony Khan's penis is bigger than Vince McMahon's, or something like that. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> I. I don't know why the fuck I just said
1: that, Jason. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh, you're having a bear right now, aren't you? Uh, no. you've, got, you've got Edge getting bashed by refs, and now you're comparing dick sizes of Tony Cannon, and Vince McMahon.
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing if you're just calling people out for no reason. So he said they've been disparaging others in an attempt to get themselves over, uh, and that shows weakness. I think we, we have been saying, as I said, you're outperforming the three shows and storylines and in-ring work, there's no question about that your pay-per-views minus maybe one or two missteps are always universally loved. They're they're sort of like the new takeovers. And um, there's really no need to go in on WWE because you're doing your own thing and you're kind of doing it better.
1: Yeah, and when you you read that comment about Loud, you know, disparaging others in an attempt to get themselves over, it's... That's AEW in a nutshell. You know, I mean, as good as they are in ring-wise and good as they are with their roster and their storytelling uh, and, and how much improvement they've made over time, why they're still resorting to disparaging others is, particularly WWE, I mean, there's no reason for it. And if anything, that, that shows that they're a little bit insecure going up against arguably the largest, you know, sort of sports entertainment company in the world why try and bring WWE down? Like, just build yourselves up and then genuinely become competition for them. And yeah, so it's like, just to sort of elaborate on what Bischoff says, like what you've seen so far, I'm not going to bet all my money on it, but I'm hopeful uh, when people come out and they disparage others and attempt to get themselves over, however elegant they think they may be doing, it's a cry. And that, I, I completely agree just hearing it uh, because, you know, AEW's got all the the talent and the resources to be the biggest sports entertainment company and give WWE a decent run for its money. But you're not going to achieve that if you're going to spend more energy essentially trying to bring people down rather than build yourself up.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think um, I think when WWE are doing as poor as they are, you don't remind people of WWE. You, you you do what WWE does, you don't mention anyone else. You know, WWE never mentions New Japan. WWE mentions, oh, these people were really really big in Japan and then because, you know, the Japan titles are the IWGP titles, they say IWGP, Mm -hmm. but they never say New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: You know, so... It's a bit of a cop-out on that one. You know, it's like you can work your way around without saying New Japan and just refer to it as IWGP. So
0: why, you know... Why, you know, why bring up WWE? They're not going to bring up you. Don't bring up them. Uh, Talking about viewership, Monday Night Raw this past week drew the best viewership it's drawn since the second night of the WWE draft. Uh, Raw's Raw's live episode drew an average 1.689 million viewers on the USA Network, uh, up 1.87% from last week's Crown Jewel. I think they equaled last week's key demographic, 0.47, um, and number 17 for the night on cable behind, oh Christ, Monday night football, Monday night post-game, the NFL, Jesus, yeah, they were up against a lot that night. Yeah, like. But ranked, ranked number six in the top 150 shows that night, so not a bad night for Raw in the
1: ratings. Yeah, it Not could that. be worse, especially when you're going up against you know, Major League Baseball and the NFL, which are which probably have the biggest followings in in North America.
0: So, AC3, uh, back in the news this past week, uh, blasting corporate wrestling in the wake of the mass Ring of Honor releases. Last week it was reported, as we mentioned, Ring of Honor would be declining to renew its talents contract following the conclusion of 2021 in preparation for a reboot of the promotion. Um we we talked earlier about uh, did we talk a little about Sinclair
1: Broadcasting being in debt? Uh, no, yeah. Ring of Honor's parent company, Sinclair Broadcasting, is apparently twelve million in debt. Yes, yeah, so
0: they are, um, and they are they're looking to sell the video library rights uh, to the highest bidder. I look forward to bidding war for that happening sometime soon. Uh, I wish Michael $4. Jackson. Was still alive. Uh, I wish Michael Jackson was still alive; he could bid for that with the Beatles back catalogue. Never going to do anything with it. He just wants it. Um, So EC3 has wrestled for Ring of Honor since October 2020 uh, on his Control Your Narrative YouTube page has spoke about the negatives of corporate wrestling. He said, you've been lied to your whole life. I've been seeing this from April 2020, but I've known about it so much longer. This lie is so blatant, so vivid, so audacious. It's in your name, honour. Honour is we've been taught as a lie. There is no honour in what we do when we do it for them. Corporate wrestling, three letter, sorry, three letter brands. The divisive, toxic, delusional bubble that is pro wrestling. It's all the same. Here is the bitter pill you must swallow. If you're a fan, if you're watching this, if it's successful to you, you're the problem. Now, if you, now if you competed. If this is the dream, if you're a performer, then you're just a gear in the machine. You're a cat, cattle, you're cannon fodder, you're binary, you're numbers on the spreadsheet. It takes and it takes and it takes and it gives you nothing. He then goes on way, way longer. Uh, he eventually says, honour comes at a purpose. Honour comes when you choose con- to control your narrative. You've been warned. I mean, what a, what a nice way to say this is horrible, but then plug your own brand at the end. ec sees three very outspoken. It's a lot of companies. He's not he's not stuck around anywhere. I think he's very jaded with with contracts now. I think he likes to just do his own thing and, pardon the pun, control his narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's sort of living his his gimmick, isn't he? The whole control your narrative kind of thing. But something you said about that quote, I think it's sort of there's almost a bit of uh, bit of poetry to it like um your cattle your cannon fodder your binary numbers on a spreadsheet it's it's almost it's almost like you're just in a and it reminds me of something that stone cold steve austin said on the mania of wrestlemania on the build to wrestlemania 19 it was um uh he described himself like once the um once he was dealing with his neck injury and stuff it was uh he said something along the lines of he was a gear that get used up uh so you take you pull this old gear off, you put it in a pile of old gears, you stick a new gear in, and the machine keeps rolling. So even, you know, for a major name like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he sort of talked about just being another gear in the system because, you know, people say nothing's bigger than the promotion you're wrestling in. You know, WWE likes to say it a lot as well. But I think that's just the the nature of the beast, really. You know, if if you're a gear that gets used up, you you get taken out and you just get replaced with another one. It's, and at the end of the day, you're just, uh, well, numbers on a spreadsheet, as uh, EC3 put it. And, you know, I think maybe the instance of controlling your narrative could be like, uh, you know, having your your Twitch stream, you know, having, having control of your own Twitch streams, you get to earn your own revenue. You could have a, a working contract with a company that, you know, it gives you a bit of flexibility, but it doesn't, you know, restrict you. In any way, like and there's always been talks about WWE's contract status and how they treat their their talent, essentially. But there is a lot of echoing of what EC3 is saying there. That you know, I think as long as people like have a bit of flexibility and being able to control what they do, I mean, it's quite a it's quite a thought provoking message if I do say so. You know, we
0: talk about the corporate machine, WWE. Uh, our- filing new trademarks. Um, uh, the following, the United States Patent and Trademark Office uh, revealed the WWE trademarked the name Von Wagner, Alpha Academy, Queen Zelina, Toxic Attraction, RK Bro, as well as GYV, which is, they think, going to be the new name for Grizzled Young Veterans.
1: Soon to be recognised as WWE or NXT Tag Team Champions. That all you've got for that. <laughs> yeah, like, I, GYV's been wasted as far as I'm concerned. Like, they tore it up in NXT UK. They made... like Zach Gibson's promos were just amazing. And <laughs> it also coined the whole, you know, shoes off if you hate Gibson and stuff. Like, that was brilliant. Like, why don't they just do more of that in NXT or WWE? These guys are being... Like playing second fiddle to the likes of MSK, Imperium, Legaro del Fantasma, and so many other teams, like the I think they should definitely be featured a lot more. You
0: know, I I do agree. I think those Young Veterans are great. I thought they should have won the Dusty Cup. Uh, I picked them in the draft team that season. Mm. Uh but you know, to no avail. Um but yeah, I, I don't I don't really mind that. Um speaking of names and name changes, uh I know your favourite superstar and mine, Veer, formerly of Share, is <laughs> apparently getting a, a name change. Uh, <laughs> apparently, his new name is going to be Mahan, which is Hindi for great or great man. He's also Mahan. the name of a popular yeah. action drama movie series in India. So essentially, it'd be like one of us being called the Avengers, <laughs> <laughs> or
1: uh, was it? Or one of us being called Arrow.
0: Well, there you go, Arrow. There we are. Nice week call back to Stephen L earlier. Uh, and finally this week, AJ Styles reportedly out of WWE action with a non-injury medical issue. So, best of luck to AJ Styles. We've been talking about, um, like we said, we don't bit want to go five
1: into was Say it again? I was going to say, bet your five quid, it's, uh, it's COVID.
0: I was about to say, we're not going to go into people's uh, illnesses, as we talked about earlier. It's a bit tawdry, but... You know, I'll, I'll take that bit. Um, but um, <laughs> we, we've talked beforehand about Omos possibly breaking out on his own. Um, obviously, you know, we, a lot of people think he's quite green, uh, but, you know, WWE's hand's been played here. What's your thoughts on an Omos singles run? Are you happy to see him, you know, happy to see him back as a single star, or do you think he should be used as someone else is heavy or just kept off TV while AJ Styles recover. Uh,
1: he's sort of in the gray area for me here because he's showing he can go in the ring, but I think he need he still needs supported with somebody else like in a tag team perspective. Singles wise he's not quite there yet, but he's still got a ton of potential. I think as just keep sending him to the performance center, keep make sure he keeps training, you know, as a singles wrestler as opposed to a tag wrestler. And then hopefully if he can sort of break out, out of maybe AJ's shadow, have his own, like he's got his own theme music. He's got his own entrance, which is great. You know, that's a good start, but I think he needs to really get a booking that really suits him. You know, give, make him have short matches, make him the most dominant person in the ring. It doesn't matter, you know, how big or how small his opponent is. He is always going to be the bigger guy. Like, do give him proper squash matches like they did with Braun Strowman, and then when he finds his rhythm in the ring, you can start to feed him sort of more established names. Like I think, I think that's the the best way to go about booking Omos as a singles guy.
0: Do you know? I I I tried and failed to get two or five like back off the ground after my successful fantasy booking of Bobby Lashley. Yes, I am taking credit for that. Me and Jack on the road report. You're welcome. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to try fantasy book Omos' career here, okay? Go for it. I would love to see a revamp on the 24-7 title. Would it not be hilarious to have big Omos with a title round his waist throwing people about? People don't don't challenge him for the 24-7 title. He's just a big para He's He's paranoid that people are coming for him. So Omos is just walking through the backstage area throwing people about he believes are threats to his 24-7 title. (laughs) Innocent cameramen, assistants getting coffee, you know, scriptwriters going from wrestler to wrestler to hand out promos. He thinks that's an elaborate plan that he's sending to someone to take the 24, and he just throws people about. And of course, who would love to see Reggie jumping about the ring, avoiding Omos, just to be hit by that one big knockout punch?
1: Oof. I tell you what, though, I mean, see if Reggie does like a massive flip like into the ring and almost literally just knocks him out of thin air. That is like a that's like a spot of the year potential right there. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. But that is going to wrap it up for a particularly short uh, three days after we've done the last one. Central <laughs> just coming in. It just it's going to be just over an hour before, but you know what? I'm going to try wrap it up in the last eight seconds or an hour recording time once it's edited it probably be short of that but here we go thank you very much david hockney for tuning in don't forget at suplex retweet twitter facebook instagram youtube is where you can find us on all social media platforms and of course news reviews interviews previews eat sleep suplex retweet itunes anchor spotify and android uh, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you again next week four seconds to spare thank you very much Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGroby. We are the host of the monthly show on Eat, Eat, Suplex Retreat, East meets West.
1: Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East.
0: You can remember to check out on the Eat, Eat, Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting and sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty